We have been in a series for the last few weeks talking about building a life and what does it look like to really focus on what matters most. And uh, we have tonight and then one more week of, of this series. And tonight we're talking about something that is uh, something that all of us every single day uh, deal with, and that's making decisions. And even if you think about what got you to here tonight, there's a lot of different decisions that you had to make. If you're new, you had to decide if you were actually going to come or not. And most of the time that I talk to people, they've been trying to make that decision for uh, several weeks. Um, it, maybe you had to decide where you were going to eat today before this. Maybe you're thinking about what you're going to eat tonight after this. You had to decide what clothes you were going to put on. For some of us, that's a harder decision than others. And um, I'm, I'm not making any judgments on you. I'm not like looking at people and be like, for you, I can tell that was a bad decision. Um, but just sometimes it's a hard decision, right? Um, but all sorts of decisions that we have to make every single day. Some of those little, some of them big, some of them medium size, but we're making decisions all the time. And oftentimes they're not good decisions. A lot of times if you think about your life and if I think about my life, we can look back and go, okay, I thought that was a good decision at the time but it didn't turn out so well. I thought I wanted to go down uh, this career path and I'm actually gonna change career paths. I thought I wanted to maybe major in uh, this at school and I actually switched majors. I thought I wanted to be with this person and now I don't even ever wanna think about them again, right? I mean, all sorts of different decisions that we make constantly, all the time, a lot of those we later regret and they're not great decisions, but we need to make good decisions. That's a really important thing in our life. If we're talking about building a life, I mean, one of the things that consists of building a life is all the different decisions that you have to make. All the different decisions all the time that we have to make, and we want to make good decisions because in many ways, in many ways, our lives are the product of the decisions that we've made. If you think about who you are, or you think about kind of where you've been and where you've come, in many ways, it's a product of the decisions that you make. That sometimes uh, in life, in kind of the middle of life, it can kind of feel like, how did this happen? Some bad thing in your life or some crazy thing, or how did I get here? How did I get to this point? And you can kind of wonder, and it can feel like it just sort of happened like that. But that's not how life works. It's a series of decisions that we are making that are building the kind of life that we are living. And we need to make good decisions because in many ways, our lives are the product of the decisions that we make. I'm not saying every single thing. Obviously, things happen to us, but it's a decision on how we respond to those things. I mean, our life in many ways is a product of the decisions that we make. And so it's really important to make good decisions, to even know how to think about making good decisions. Pretty much every week, I talk to people that will email me or call me and ask me, hey, I've got this decision to make, thinking about this job or this move or this person or what to do in this situation that are asking me about specific decisions. I mean, all of us, all the time, have to make decisions in our life. And so how do we go about making better decisions? How do we make decisions in such a way that they help us move towards the kind of life that we hope for? How do we make decisions in such a way that they move us towards the kind of life that God longs for us to have? How do we do that? Oftentimes we don't even think about kind of the framework for decisions that we have. And so 
what I want to start with is what is what should we avoid when making decisions? What are some of the wrong ways that sometimes we think about making decisions? I mean, maybe, maybe it's helpful for you even now to, to have a specific decision in mind that you're trying to think through. Maybe there's something big and maybe something small, but, but maybe it's helpful to, to have something in your mind of a decision you're trying to make. But, but here's some things I want to talk about of what we should avoid when we are making decisions. Some decisions are easy, right? You just make them. And some decisions, it just takes a little bit of common sense. And some we, we are anxious over and we are consumed over and we lose sleep over and we don't know what to do. And we get out one of those things from middle school and we, you know, do this to try to figure out, okay, maybe I'll go to that. You know, I mean, some decisions are just, they fill us with anxiety. And so first I want to start with this. What are some things that we need to avoid when making decisions? And here's what often happens with uh, those of us that are Christians. Here, here's what often happens. We have a decision in this. Maybe there's a job move, and you want to know what's God's will in this, or school, and okay, God, what's your will, and what's school I should go to, or God, what's your will, and who I should marry, or God, what's your will, and who I should date, or where I should live, or God, what's your will in all these different things? Oftentimes, that's kind of where we're at when we're trying to make a decision is, God, I want to know your will. And we ask friends, will you pray for me as I've got this decision to make that I would know what to do, that I would know God's will? Here's some things that we should avoid when we find ourselves in that place. One of them is this, signs. These are things to avoid. Looking for signs. Let's say that, uh, let's say you're thinking about a job, Okay. And maybe for some of you, this is where you're at. You're thinking about a job, and you send an email to apply at a, at a job. You send an email, and you know what? You don't hear from them. And so you go, must be a sign. They haven't, they haven't gotten back to me. And maybe you even actually look in your email, and you see your email got stuck in the outbox. Have you ever seen Has that ever happened to you? It's awful. Your email gets stuck in the outbox somehow. You lose your internet connection, whatever. It's stuck in the outbox. And you go, it must be a sign that I wasn't actually supposed to send that email. Or classically, for, um, if you're looking for a relationship, maybe you're, you're thinking, okay, am I supposed to date this person? Am I supposed to marry this person? And the song that makes you think of them comes on the radio. And it's a sign from God that that is the person you're supposed to be with. Some of you are like, yes, that's how I got married. It's, don't tell me that was bad, you know. And we're looking for signs. We're looking for, God, I, I know you're not going to tell me your will, so I'm looking for little clues, little breadcrumbs that hopefully you'll drop for me to follow you. And maybe not any of those incidents, but many, many, many different times we try to discern what God's will is based on where the signs are pointing us. This person didn't get back to me, so it's a sign I'm not supposed to go this direction. This person did get back to me, so it's a sign I'm supposed to go this direction. Or, likewise, open doors. This is something Christians pray about or talk about all the time. Why did you move to Denver? You may say, God opened a door. Well, what does that mean? The borders aren't closed. I mean, the borders are open. The doors to Denver are open. And maybe you say, how did I get this job? Well, God opened a door. Somebody got laid off and God opened a door for me there in that company. And a lot of times we try to go, how do I make this decision? There's an open door. 
that's what I'll do. But if we stop and think about that, that's a horrible way to make a decision just because a door opens. How do you know who opened that door? How do you know that, I mean, if, if somebody wanted to be cruel to you, they could just go around opening doors. And if you were some, well, I guess I got to go that way. Oh, I got to go that way. If we make decisions based on an open door, is that really a way to know what God wants for us just because a door opens? Or another way, probably most common, and I think this is true even with people uh, that don't claim any faith, if you say, how do I, how do I make a good decision? How do I know if I'm going to make a good decision? How do I know that it's right? What do people usually say? Do you have peace about it? Do you have peace about it? You know it's a good decision if you have peace about it. Or, conversely, you know it's not a good decision because I didn't have peace about it. I know I shouldn't have done this because I didn't have peace about it. Sometimes people use this in romantic relationships kind of similar when they say something like, you'll know when you know. You'll just, you know, you'll know when you know. You'll just have this peace. That's a horrible way to make decisions. That you feel peace about something. I mean, most of the difficult decisions that I've ever made in my life, most of the big decisions that I've ever made in my life, I have never had peace about. Because they're big decisions that are going to alter the course of your life. And conversely, sometimes we have peace about decisions that are awful decisions that we should not do, and we feel great peace about it. I can tell you, I would feel amazing peace about eating a donut every day of my life. I would feel, I would make Buddha look like the most stressed out, anxious person ever. I would have tremendous inner peace of every day I ate a donut. But that doesn't mean I should do it. Jesus, before he went to the cross, before he was crucified, before he came to save humanity, before he went to the cross, what happened? It's in the garden, sweating blood, which is something that happens when you are extremely stressed out. That's not peace. Just because you feel peace about something doesn't mean that you should do it. Just because you don't feel peace about something doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Many times we're called into things. Many times the decisions we have to make are very, very difficult and will challenge us extremely. And there's nowhere ever in the Bible that says, hey, if you feel peace about it, you should do it. And if we as Christians want to use the Bible as our guide, open doors, looking for peace, looking for signs, those have no recommendation ever in the Bible. Maybe some of you think, that um, because I just know from talking to people sometimes, maybe some of you think, no, the Bible does say that, that when you're trying to make a decision, you'll get a peace that surpasses understanding. And well, yes, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about that, but it's very, very different from about making decisions. It says that if you have a request, you should present it to God. That don't be anxious, it says, about anything, but Present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Jesus. You know what that's saying? That when you have a difficult, when, you, when you're feeling anxious, when you are stressed and you are weighted, you should talk to God. And you know what will happen? There will be a peace that comes because your heart and mind is guarded in Jesus. Because you know who he is, and you know who he cares, and you know he cares for you. It's a peace that comes from faith, not a peace that comes from knowing what decision you should make. 
So these are some things that we should avoid when making decisions. And, and here's kind of the problem underneath all of these things. Here's, here's the problem broader than just signs and open doors and, and uh, peace. Here, here's the problem. All of this says that God's really sneaky. God, what's your will for me? Why do we think, and if you've ever thought this, as I have, why do we think that God has some will for us? And he is kind of like, you know, I don't really want to tell you. I'm just going to open a door. I'm just going to drop a little clue, but I'm not going to tell you. I mean, what if I did that to you? What if I said to you, and, you know, I don't have what God has, but let's say I was all wise and all powerful and all loving, and I came to you and said, I have a perfect plan for your life. And you said, that's awesome. I said, yes, I have got an amazing plan for your life. I know every decision you should make. I know who you should marry and where you should work and who you should love. And I've got a perfect plan for your life. You'd be excited. This is great. I said, but the problem is I'm not going to tell you. But I'm going to leave a couple clues. There's a door that might open. But don't worry. If it closes, I'll open a bunch of windows. And you've got to pick which one of those to go through. Might stress you out. But if you feel some peace, it might be me. It might not be me. And if you don't feel peace about having peace, I don't know what to tell you about that. But I've got a plan for your life. I'm just not going to tell you. It's just going to be a secret. See, why do we think God is sneaky? Why do we think that he has this secret will and plan for our life that he wants us to kind of grope around and figure out where it might be? Why do we think that? That's not an idea that we get in the Bible. It's not an idea that, that there's no example anywhere of anywhere in the Bible that says, you know what you need to do? You need to try to figure out what God's secret will is. Nowhere. But if you're a Christian and you've lived life for a while as a Christian, you have felt the stress of what is God's will for me? Does God want me to take this job or this job? Does God want me to marry this person or date this person? Does God want me to move here or here? Does God want me to talk to this person? Or does God want me to, God, what do you want me to do? I don't know. God, I'm stressed. God, I'm, what's your will for me? Why do, why do we think God's sneaky? When if we treated each other like that, we would go, that's not a very good friend. So God's a good father. He's not a scavenger hunt coordinator. He's a good father. Those are very different things. Very different skill set. God's a good father. God does not have a secret, listen to me. God does not have a secret will for your life that he expects you to figure out. He doesn't. God doesn't have a secret will for what job you should take and where you should move. And, and all, I mean, I'm just using those because those are big examples, but all sorts of things. God doesn't. There's not secrets that God's keeping from you that you, it's your job to figure out what they are that harms people. It's harmed me. I've lived a lot of my life previously with the stress of, God, am I doing what you want me to do? I don't know. Would you tell me, please? Let me know. There's a better way to make decisions. There's a much better way to make decisions. Those are, those are some things that we need to avoid when we're trying to make decisions, trying to figure out God's secret path that he's laid out and looking at the open doors and looking at the signs and trying to feel peace. There's such a better way than that. So if right now you've got decisions that you've got to make or in your life, if there's decisions that you're... Man, there is such a better way than all of that. So how do we make better decisions? 
How do we make better decisions? What are some of those decisions right now that you're faced with making? I'm going to give you five things that the Bible teaches us about making decisions that that hopefully will, will help you, especially if right now you're in the middle of trying to make a decision and there's been open doors and open, you know, windows and whatever. Here's a better way to make decisions. First thing is this. The first thing that Jesus teaches us when he says to pray is this. He says, your father knows what you need before you even ask him. If you're, if you're trying to figure out wisdom about something, and you're trying to figure out if you should move somewhere or do this, it, here's, what, here's what Jesus teaches. He says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed, that just means holy, awesome, awesome, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Think about that phrase, your kingdom come. That means, God, I want life to be like you are king. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, the first part of making decisions is surrender. It's to say, God, your will be done. So many times in our life, we don't start there, right? We start with, well, what will happen what will be the result if I do this? What are the pros and cons of this? We may think about what do I want and how does that conflict with something else I want, but we don't even start oftentimes, and I know because I've done it, we don't start with, God, your will be done. I, don't, I might not know what that is. I might not know what you have, but here's what I know. I want your will to be done. How would that change our decisions if our heart posture started in that place? If whatever decision you're coming to, genuinely what you wanted was, God, I want, I want your will to be done. So many times we don't even start there. And Jesus says, look, God knows what you need before you even ask him. And, and here's how you should pray. You just pray by saying, let your will be done. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. Second thing is simple in some ways, but it's, it is to open the Bible and listen to what he says. See, the most reliable way that we can hear God speak is not through signs and not through open doors and not through peace, but through his word. God says that he speaks to us through his word. We start with what is clear. If we want to hear God's voice, if we want to hear him speak, if we want to know his will, we don't have to run around, look, God, is this your will for me? Because this thing opened up. Is this your will for me? Because I, I feel peace about, we, we go, you, you speak here. You speak and you, and you tell me your word. And now here's what this doesn't mean, especially for those of you that maybe have grown up in church and are Christians. What, what this doesn't mean is that you come to the Bible and go, okay, God, I want to hear you speak. doesn't mean that. And now that's kind of crude in the sense of probably a lot of people don't do that that often, although it happens. But it also doesn't mean that you, you just open the Bible and you happen to be reading something that seems to happen to speak into your situation. And so it happens to be this. And so you say, well, that must be what God wants. 
Maybe you're trying to decide if, if you should take a certain job and you feel like, man, I, I don't think I could take this job. It's beyond me. It's, it's actually way past my qualifications. I probably shouldn't even apply. And you open up to Philippians and it says you can do all things in Christ. And you go, well, I was supposed to read that today and so therefore I'm supposed to apply for that job. That's not, that's not what it means to listen to God from the Bible. It's not just a lottery. It's not just wherever you happen to land. It's not just, it's not what it means. I love... Um, I love this kind of joke that is a common pastor joke, and it, it, uh, which are hilarious, right? Um, it's, uh, you know, so Netflix special, right? Pastor jokes. Okay, so um, I love this joke, though, about kind of reading the Bible like this. And it says, there's a guy you may have heard about who prayed to know God's will. He flipped open his Bible and randomly pointed to Matthew 25, and it says, and Judas went away and hanged himself. Feeling certain he'd made a mistake, he repeated the procedure, and this time his finger fell upon Luke 10, 37. Go and do likewise. Thoroughly rattled now, he did it a third time, and this time he landed on John 13, 27. What you are about to do, do quickly. Okay, see, pastor jokes, they're funny. That's not what I'm talking about when I say that when we make decisions, we use the Bible. Now again, most of us look at that and go, oh, that's crazy. But the, the more common version is you're, you may be reading the Bible and you go, oh, I, I happen to read this on this day, so it must mean that I'm supposed to do this or that about such and such decision. That's not what it means to read the Bible to make decisions. What it means is this. If you want to know what God's will is in your life, if you want to know what God's will is in your life on a broad scale or even in particular decisions, God doesn't have a secret he expects you to figure out. God over and over and over again in his word speaks to us and says, here's my will. For instance, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 4, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. 1 Peter 2, 13 through 15, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governor as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. You see, God doesn't have a secret will that he wants us to figure out over and over and over and over again in the Bible, whether or not it uses the actual phrase, this is the will of God, but it does often. It says, here is my will for your life. Here's my will for you. But so often we're consumed with decisions that God's not actually consumed with. And see, maybe we read some of those and go, okay, it's the will of God that I be thankful, but that's not what I'm stressing about in my decision. It's, should I take this job or should I move here? What should I do about this coworker? What should I do about starting my own business? Or what should I do about this person? Or should I date this person or that person? And what, what should I do? And you know what? What does that tell us if those are the decisions that we're consumed with and the decisions that God is consumed with is something different? God says, here's my will for you. Be thankful. Here's my will for you love your neighbor. Here's my will for you. Be a part of my mission in the world to bring people to know me. Here's my will for you. Control your body. Here's my will for you. Do good in such a way that it silences people that are ignorant and foolish. Here's my will for you. You see, over and over and over again, God doesn't say, I have this secret will I expect you to figure out. He says, here's my will. I want you to know it. 
Isn't that what a good father would do versus hide his will? And what, for those of us that have felt the stress of this in our lives, of trying to figure out God's will about something, what, here, here's something I think about. All the energy that I, I know for me, all the energy I've put in my life into trying to figure out God's will about something. God, is it your will that I marry this girl or that? Is it your will that I move here? God, is it your will? All the energy I've put into that. What if I put more energy into saying, I'm going to obey the will that you've already told me? I mean, I, I, I see so many people stressed out about decisions they have to make, and especially, is it God's will? But, but why not be putting more energy into actually obeying when God says, hey, this is my will if you want to know it. If you want to know my will for your life, it's right here. Well, God, that's not what I want to know. I want to know about this. And in many ways, God doesn't care about the things that we think often are the big things. He's told us, here's my will. Here's what I have for you. Here's what I want for you. Here's what this would look like. Here's what this would mean. Maybe instead of, God, what job should I take? That's a question that we often wrestle with. It's a decision that we often have to face. God, should I take this job? God, should I take that job? God, is it your will that I do this job? Or God, is it your will that I do this one? Maybe a way to apply this is to just pick a job. But then to be concerned about God's will, about your job, which he has said specifically. Work with all your heart is working for me. What if we didn't put so much energy into, God, what job should I choose? But once we have the job going, God, you've told me your will in this job. It's to work with all my heart as if I'm working for you. But how many of us have stressed over what job we should choose? Probably all of us. But how many of us have stressed over, God, how do I actually obey you to work with all my heart as if I'm working for you? Or marriage or dating God, should I marry this girl or that girl? Should I marry this guy or that guy? And there's no verse you can point to. Jim, that's the one, you know? If that some, then Jim wrote it in your Bible if that's what's there, okay? That's not in the Bible. Now, God, who should I marry, this person or that person? That's not, God isn't concerned as much with that as he is with, here's my will for your marriage. Love, serve, sacrifice, respect. Okay, God, how do I do that? What if we put more energy into, God, how do I do the will you've already told me? Then how do I figure out the scavenger hunt that you've supposedly sent me on? The Bible is a second way that we make better decisions. We open up where God has clearly told us what his will is instead of trying to figure out some secret will that doesn't exist. You know what this also means? It means we should be asking ourselves the question and asking one another the question, how are we letting, how are we letting what God has said in his word inform the decision that we're making? Not how are, well, I feel peace about it. Well, there's an open door. Well, it seems like the signs. How are you letting what God has already said inform the decision that you're making? Do you, do you ask yourself that question? When you're faced with a decision, God, how does your word that you've already told me, how does your will that you've already told me apply to this situation? So we surrender, we open up the Bible and listen to what God has said. And third, we use wisdom. I don't know why, but often 
as Christians, we think that wisdom and good judgment and logic is somehow not very spiritual. I remember when um, I was seven, I was dating a girl who was nine. And, um, <laughs> you know, dating loosely, but um, I was dating this girl, and that's <laughs> not, I, mean, I like played with an easy bake oven in her house. So, and, um, and, she told me one Sunday at church, which is a horrible place to do this, God told me to break up with you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for feeling my pain. Okay, now maybe that's true, okay? And I, I'm thankful because I met a better woman, my wife, you know, so that's fine. But, sorry if you're listening to this, joke's on you. Um, so, uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, kind of. Um, but I remember thinking even then, like, look, if you don't want to, if you don't want to go out with me, just tell me. You don't got to put God language on it. But isn't it easier to say, hey, I'm feeling led to break up with you, or I'm feeling led to make this decision, or even sometimes since we're in church, you know, feeling led to to, um, you know, not serve in this way or something like that, or I'm feeling led to, instead of just saying this, I've used my good judgment and I'm breaking up with you. I mean, it's a lot scarier to say that, but that's not unspiritual. That's good to do. God gave us minds. He expects us to go, hey, I've actually been logically thinking through this and I'm going to dump you. Instead of, I've really prayed about it and I really feel God moving me to say goodbye. We'll still be friends, but God is moving me to end this point of our friendship. Maybe that's true, okay? But you can also just say this. I've really been thinking about this, and it's a really good decision to dump you. That's not unspiritual. God wants us to use our minds. Proverbs talks about this all the time, but here's just a couple of verses. It says, apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. Proverbs 18, 15, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Here's what this is saying. Proverbs paints this vision and says, you should be people, we should be people that are always trying to gain knowledge that can grow and using it then in our lives. God gave us brains. He gave us good judgment. He gave us knowledge in the world, and he expects us to be wise about the choices that we make. So part of how we make decisions doesn't have to look for an open door or peace or signs, but can just say, man, this seems like a logical course of action. This seems like good, sound judgment. I don't need a verse for it. I don't need a feeling for it. I can just say, this seems like the right, logical thing to do. How do we make better decisions? We surrender. We listen to what God has said in his word. We use wisdom Fourth is community. And this is really important. See, Proverbs says this, 12:15 says, "The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice." You know what that says? That we by nature are self-deceived. That we by nature talk ourselves into things. I mean, you know that. I've done that, you've done that, especially when it's a bad decision. We talk ourselves into things. All our friends maybe are saying, don't do it. And it's like, no, you don't understand. It's this. It's okay. It's... The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. 
or Proverbs 28, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. In Proverbs 15, without counsel, without people, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. All of these things are saying this, we need other people in our lives to make good decisions. Because so often, this is the way I should go. I know it. I believe it in my heart. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to myself. I, I know. Just, it, it just, I'm going to follow my heart. And Proverbs says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to advice. You know what this means practically? Is that when we're trying to make decisions, when we're trying to make decisions, we should not just inform other people of our decisions, but invite them into our decisions. Oftentimes, people sort of pay lip service to this idea because they know they're kind of supposed to. So they say, hey, I just, want, I just want to talk to, you know, you get your friends together. Hey, I just want to talk to you. I have decided to take this job or I've decided to make this move or I just want you to know that I'm, I'm going to do this and just want to let you know that because I'm supposed to tell other people about my decisions. There's a big difference between informing people of a decision and inviting them and saying, hey, I know that the way of a fool is right in his own eyes and I might be totally wrong about this. I, I need your help. Help me to make this decision. I haven't already made up my mind. I haven't already set the course I'm going. I haven't already determined I'm going to go this way. I know that I have a tendency to deceive myself and I need you. That's a very different posture, right? It's a very different heart that doesn't just inform people of a decision we've made, but invites them and says, hey, at the early stages, not down here. Hey, I just want you to know my wedding's on Tuesday. And what do you think about this girl? At the early stages that we invite people because we know that our hearts deceive ourselves. We know that the way of a fool is always right in his own eyes. And we ask people, I need you. I need you. This is one of the awesome things that God has given to us. He's given to us community to help us so that we don't have to make decisions on our own. And we can invite other people, help me. Help me see where I might be missing it. Help me see where I'm wrong. You, you, know, you know when, um, here's how you know you're making a bad decision. Here's how you know you're making a bad decision when you don't want to talk to other people about it. When you purposefully talk to these people and not these people. When there's a decision that you want to make and you go, okay, I'm going to find those two friends that I know always agree with me and my mom, and I'm going to ask them, what do you think about this? But the friends that really know me, they know the struggles I've had. They know where I'm weak. They know the things we've talked about God together. We've talked about life together. They know bad decisions I've made in the past. Uh, I don't really want to ask them what they think. But mom... What do you think about this? Oh, that girl is great. Thanks, mom. Maybe your mom's not like that. Maybe your mom's like, dump that girl, you know? I don't know. But that's when you know you're making a bad decision. That you actually purposefully avoid talking to certain people. I see that happen all the time. We go, well, I talked to, I talked to this stranger I met. They thought it was a great idea. I talked to my buddy that always says everything I do is awesome. He thought it was a great idea. 
And I talk to this person that I wouldn't ask about any important decision ever in my life because I think they're dumb, but they thought it was a good decision. So there's three. It happens all the time. Look, I'm just telling this to you. If this is where you are right now and you're trying to make a decision and there's people specifically that you don't want to invite into it, that should be giant warning red flag that the way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. And finally, fifth, we surrender, we open the Bible and listen to God, we use the wisdom that God's given to us, we invite community into it. And fifth is this, it's, it's a little bit different because it's not something you can do in the moment, but it's that we pay attention to what's shaping us. You see, most of our decisions are actually spontaneous. Even big decisions, in a lot of ways, we've kind of pre-thought and worked into probably the course that we'll go down. Most of the decisions, you don't sit down and go through this process, right? Today, you didn't call somebody up and go, okay, so I'm supposed to invite you into which pew am I going to sit in today? And God, I surrender, what pew do you want me to sit in today? Most of our decisions don't work like that. They're just kind of spontaneous overflow, right? But here's what it means. What is shaping us? What's shaping our minds and our hearts that leads to the overflow of our decisions? And if we want to make good decisions, if we want to make better decisions that lead us to building the kind of life that God longs for us, that we long even for our own selves, we have to pay attention to what is shaping us that leads to the overflow of decisions. Here's how Romans says this. Paul writes to the church in Rome and says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. He says there's a pattern of the world that goes this way. Don't be conformed to that, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So he says we need to be transformed in our mind. We need to be transformed in our minds because there is a pattern in the world that is shaping us all the time. And he says, don't be conformed that way. Instead, be transformed. Let your mind and your heart begin to be shaped by something else. I love how John Newton talks about this. John Newton was the author of Amazing Grace. And he says this quote, which I love, that's talked about a couple of the things that we have said. He says, the word of God, this is kind of going back a little bit earlier to what we were saying, the word of God is not to be used as a lottery, nor is it designed to instruct us by shreds and scraps. I happen to land on this little piece and this little piece, which detached from their proper places have no determined import. But it is, this is what the word of God is supposed to do. It is to furnish us with just principles, right apprehensions, to regulate our judgments and affections, what we love. See how that's a broader scale of what it's doing to us. And thereby to influence and direct our conduct. They who study the scriptures in a humble dependence upon divine teaching are convinced of their own weakness, are taught to make a true estimate of everything around them, are gradually formed into a spirit of submission to the will of God, discover the nature and duties of their several situations and relations in life and the snares and temptations to which they are exposed. The word of God dwells richly in them and a preservative is a preservative from air and a light to their feet 
and a spring of strength and consolation. By treasuring up the doctrines, precepts, promises, examples, and exhortations of Scripture in their minds and daily comparing themselves with the rule by which they walk, they grow into a habitual frame of spiritual wisdom and acquire a gracious taste which enables them to judge of right and wrong with a degree of readiness and certainty as a musical ear judges of sounds. You see, he's not just saying you find a verse for every area in your life. Okay, what do I do about this? Okay, what do I do about this? He's saying that over time, you, because God's word is so getting into you, there becomes a habitual frame where different situations that you're in, you've been shaped, your mind has been changed, you know how to choose. You know what is right and what is wrong. How do we make better decisions? We surrender. We open God's word and let him speak to us. We use wisdom that God has given us. We invite other people in community and we pay attention to what is shaping us. What would happen if, if our decisions were influenced like this? I mean, what would happen if our decisions weren't just going, well, I feel peace about it, or there's an open door, or look, it looks like there's a breadcrumb pointing me this way. What if our decisions were actually formed by these things? I mean, wh where do you think that would take you in the life that you're building? What would happen? We're all a product of the decisions that we make. What if we were all moving towards decisions like this? Here's just one final thing I want to close with because we can talk about a way to avoid making decisions and we can talk about some things to do to make better decisions and those are important things. But, but what causes us so much distress when making decisions in the first place? Why is it that when we're faced with a decision, there's so much distress underneath, so much anxiety underneath? Why is that an issue to begin with? This is different from just saying, here's how you make bad decisions, don't do this, and here's how you make good decisions, here's some ways to, to pay attention to God, but why so much stress to begin with about a decision? You know why? Because oftentimes we're, we're really scared of missing out on something. We're really scared of missing out. If I choose this, can't choose this, and what if I made an error? What if I was supposed to do this and it would have been better there's so many choices and so many options of possible things. Sometimes I feel that just at a restaurant, right? You open up the menu and it's like, oh gosh, because if I order this, then I won't be able to try it. That's why I love sampler plates, you know? It's like, yes, this is great. I don't have to choose because I don't want to miss out. That's why we usually share when we go to a restaurant. It's like, and, or I order from the waiter. Can I have a fourth of this dish, a fourth of this dish? There's so many choices and we don't want to miss out. One author says it like this. He says, it's no surprise that we're always thinking about the greener grass on the other side of the fence. We're always pondering what could be better or what might be nicer about something or someone new. Decide comes from the Latin word decidere, meaning to cut off, which explains why decisions are so hard these days. We can't stand the thought of cutting off any of our options. As a result, Every choice feels worse than no choice at all. Sometimes we are completely indecisive because we don't want to experience the cutting off of our options, our choices, because what if we miss out? 
What if we miss out? What if, what if what we choose wasn't the best? What if what we choose isn't as safe or isn't as secure? Or what if something goes wrong? Or, or what if there was something better? What if I miss out? Causes a lot of anxiety. Causes a lot of stress. Often our decisions are difficult. Not just because of the decision before us, but because of this fear of what if I miss out? What if I choose wrong and it doesn't go exactly the way I wanted it to go? And I want to be sure I avoid any error. I love how Proverbs gives us a beautiful promise and it says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That's what we've been talking about. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make straight your paths. And you know what this says to us? It's really good news. Because it says, we can entrust ourselves to him. You know what that means? You may make a decision. And it might go bad. But if we are entrusting ourselves to a good God, he can redeem even the bad choices we make. You've seen that happen. You know what it means? It means that when we consciously say, God, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I'm going to invite community in. I'm going to open your word and let you speak to me. I'm going to surrender and ask you for your will to be done. I'm, I'm going to not lean on my own understanding. Here's what, here's what God says. You can trust me. If you make a bad choice, I'll make your path straight. I'll work it out. You can trust me that you're not in charge of your life such that you have to be omniscient and able to know everything and able to be all-powerful to make all the right choices. He says, trust me. Take some of the pressure off yourself and trust me. Go, go through the process and, and don't lean on your own understanding, but trust me that I'm involved. I'm a good shepherd that cares for you and loves you. And even if you make a wrong choice, I'm there I'll make your path straight. Trust me. See, if we believe it's all on us, that creates, creates a lot of pressure and anxiety. But he says, trust me. And he doesn't just tell us to do it. When we take communion, as we do every Sunday, he's shown us that we can trust him. So communion is something that Christians do to remember that Jesus had his body broken and his blood shed to forgive us of our sin, to adopt us into his family, to cleanse us of our shame, to give us his righteousness, to bring us into life with him. And he says, trust me. He showed us that we have reason to trust him. He showed us that he cares for us and he loves us and he's for us and that the pressure doesn't have to crush us. That when we're making a decision, we can say, I have a reason to trust you with all of my heart. I have a reason to trust, even if something, even if I actually chose badly, you'll make it straight. I can trust you because of who you are and what you've done. I can trust that there isn't something better, some secret you have, but that you're a good father that has revealed to me what he actually wants. I can trust you. So that's what we remember every Sunday. 
And that's why we sing. We sing songs to say, you're a good God and we love you and we know we can trust you. And that's why we gather as a community is to say, man, we can trust this God and he binds us together. So pray with me and let's sing. Father, thank you that you are a good God that we can trust. Thank you that you are um, not a scavenger hunt coordinator that you don't have this wonderful, amazing plan for our life, but you won't tell us about it. Thank you that you're a God that clearly communicates to us. And God, thank you too, that even when we absolutely mess up, even when we choose something horribly, that you will make straight our paths, that you can redeem the worst things that we've done. God, thank you that you are trustworthy and you don't just tell us that you're trustworthy, but you've shown us that in giving your life for us and to us. Thank you that we can trust you, Jesus. Help us as we sing to allow these truths to go deeper into our hearts and to know you and to see you. And help us, God, to make good decisions.